Folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Bill Monroe was the father of bluegrass. John Lee Hooker was one of the forefathers of blues. Sam Cooke for rhythm. Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk for jazz. How about world music, specifically Indian ragas? Ravi Shankar is an undoubted forefather, as is his drummate Alu Raka, the father of Zakir Hussain. Those cats influenced psychedelic rock, jazz, and classical music because of the polyrhythms and the clear improvisation that is evident to John Handy, Pete Magadini, Charles Lloyd, and the late Colin Walcott. In this host's mind, the greatest and most unsung forefather of Indian music is Ali Akbar Khan, who believed everyone deserved an education, saw it as a basic part of human existence. He felt so strongly about this that he opened a school right in Berkeley amidst the hipsters, flipsters, and finger-popping daddies who learned tablets from Mahavarush Mishra and Sarod from Ali Akbar Khan. The place acted as a polyrhythmic monastery. People walked out enlightened, whether they were the most dedicated musician or scholar. It fostered a community where many local musicians did concerts to help support the school itself. My guest today is the most accomplished Sarod player in the world today. He grew up in British India, but knew from a young age that he would play the same instrument as his father. He decided if that was the case, then he better practice, mutter, speak, the rhythms, even before he could pick up the instrument. Under the tutelage of his grandfather, he learned rhythm, to create space within music, and to project. Be it a stage in the countryside of India, or the Hollywood Bowl with his father, the sonic nature of my guest playing reverberates within the eardrum and back out in a loop of concentric circles that help fuse Shanti and the third eye, carrying on classical Indian music but fusing with jazz and bassa rhythms when he came to the States in the 60s. He continues to play all over California, all over the world, and teach at the California Institute for the Arts. Ashish Khan, it's an honor to have you on the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you. Ashish, can you talk about, um, like, what, was it already built into this, to this scripture, so to speak, that you would learn from your grandfather? Why, what was your dad doing that you couldn't just learn from him? Well, uh, I was the first grandchild, and that was like overwhelming for my grandfather because he never expected he would have a son. And then when he found me, he was totally well overwhelmed. And both my grandparents and they raised me, and then he gave me the sorrow, baby sorrow to start with. Then later on, on your vocal music, and so on and so forth. And at that time, my father was struggling to establish himself. He went to Lucknow Radio to get a job. He was there for a few years. Then from there he went to Jodhpur where Jodhpur Maharaja uh, took him as his court musician and from there he left Jodhpur and Maharaja died in a plane crash. Then he went to Bombay, which is known as Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Then he went to do some film work. That also he didn't like it because he was not getting paid and naturally he had a family and of course I used to see my father, he used to come very often to see my grandfather in my house and I was still with my grandfather and in 1955 my father went to America, he's the first person to bring Indian music to the West with Pandit Chaturlal 
was given a title of Tamla Wizard. And then when he got, came back, he decided that he going to uh, have me, my mother, my other brothers, and move to Calcutta. And that's what he did. And that's the time I started living with him. But also I used to visit my grandfather sometimes to take my, uh, you know, music lesson. And then my father established his Ali Akbar College of Music in Calcutta. And then he started touring to East Africa, Kenya and all that. And then he came to Canada for some time uh, with the Rosé Trend Show in Montreal. McGill University was teaching there. After that, he came to Berkeley where this society, the American, uh, uh, the American Eastern Arts something, uh, ASA, American Society for Eastern Arts. Mm -hmm. They used to have a summer uh, classes like for three months and Indian music and Japanese music. That's, that's what they were promoting and sometimes used to bring uh, famous South Indian dancers, Srimati Bada Saraswati. So this is how uh, things were going on. And after three years, they decided they're going to drop my father. So all his students who have been learning from him the last three years, they got very upset and angry. They said, we will set up a school for you and you are coming next year. In 1968, my father came back again. And uh, that was the time when the college was established as an early Edward College of Music. And then he started, you know, spending more time in America than India. And he didn't go to India for four or five years to perform. Then once the college was established, and then he started going in the winter to perform in India and he used to come back. But he was very dedicated very honest and sincere teacher and he sacrificed his music not not by playing because he was trying to promote uh, his father's music to his disciples in America. So he had a few thousand students to learn from him. Mm. Yeah, so that's the story in a short. How did you, um, like... Uh Obviously, Alu Raka was played tablas, and Zakir would play tablas. But your grandfather, I was doing some research. He was the he's the great he was the greatest Indian musician ever. Is that is that right? Yeah, he's the father of Indian music. In father of Indian music, and you, yeah. So tell me, tell me about tell me about a couple of, of practice when you were younger. What your memories are of of the kind of of practice that he would. Uh, what were some of the things, like, would he, would he talk in your ear? What would he do, like, uh, when you were younger, when, uh, even before you really started playing uh, the instrument? Well, I was very young, I'm maybe around five or six when he started. I don't exactly, uh, but roughly at that age he started me teaching. And he could play more than 200 instruments because he had a very uh, struggling life. He ran away from his home at the age of eight to learn the music. And it's a long story about his life. But anyway, so he wanted to teach. Uh, his door was open for everybody. He won't accept even a single penny from students. They'd rather he'll keep them, feed them, 
sometimes I'll give them money to go and visit your parents and come back. So his house was like in an ashram and a uh, lot of musicians came, all the famous like a Pannalal Ghosh, the flutist, Nikhil Banerjee, and Sharan Rani, my uncle Bahadur Khan, my second brother Ganesh, myself, my sister, uh, Amina, we all learned from him. And there were many, many students used to come and just learn and leave some, couldn't even uh, take his strict discipline, so they had to run away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. well, but I mean, did, did he, like, like how, how long of, of the days did you spend playing music? Well, my practice hour was 12 hours a day, 4 hours in the morning, 4 hours in the afternoon, 4 hours in the evening. Sometimes he will uh, teach me like a morning ragas in the morning, afternoon ragas in the afternoon, night ragas in the night. And when there is a monsoon season, he will teach me seasonal ragas. In spring season, he will teach me spring ragas. So like that, uh, he used to teach uh, not just me, all his disciples who were there at that time. Um, so he was a big, sick, sick teacher and very disciplined, highly disciplined. It's uh, I, yeah. I, uh, I, I would like to know um, what kind of radio, what kind of music was in your ears when you were a teenager. But before you came to the States, what were you hearing? How open was the radio where you lived in India? And, and, uh, and what, what kind of tunes were you taking in? Well, we were not allowed to listen to any kind of music. Oh, okay. And he, no, he had only you in his room and he will only call us if there's a good program uh, to come and listen and that's all and mostly we were practicing or doing my homework because I had a private tutor there was no good school at that time so he will only call me or call us to come listen to this uh, such and such artist such and such vocalist and so he was very uh, you know particular that nothing influences uh, and those days, film music was uh, there, but since Mayar was a very small kind of a village, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and so there was not much of a entertainment or any cinema house. But later on, uh, when I was, I think maybe eleven or twelve, there, there was a cinema hall was built, and he would only take us on Fridays, or there's a good good movie which he thinks that we should watch <laughs> right, and right. he will take us to the movie theater yeah <laughs> that's good uh -huh. this, was the was the theater was it a mixed thing like would you get some live entertainment and a movie and a whole bunch of things or just just a movie well, there was nothing it was a village I mean so only right. just practice and learn and sometime you go to movie that's it and no entertainment and I, of course, I, in the evening I had to get two hours break and then I used to play soccer or badminton or go for a walk and then come back and start uh, learning from him. Evening time was the time when he used to teach me. So you had to seek um, other, were you, did you gravitate to other forms of music um, almost right away? Or when, when did you start to branch out and be able to learn about uh, jazz, jazz chords, jazz structure, 
uh, anything like that? Where, where, where did that begin to take root? Well, my grandfather was very fond of Beethoven. His, uh, when he went to Europe, he bought some uh, 78, those 12-inch uh, long uh, recordings. Right. So he used right. to listen to that, and sometimes I used to listen to that. And I and then he had a, his own orchestra. He was the first man to uh, have the Indian orchestration done. So when he used to have rehearsal, I used to go and listen, and that's how I developed a taste for compositions and orchestration. And then when I came to America in 1967 with my father, and at the time I started listening to different kind of music like jazz and flamenco guitar and uh, uh, symphonies even I heard Mandarin's playing so and then my, my first exposure was in India was with uh, El, uh, Duke Ellington he came to India and at the time my father went uh, to see him and I uh, that was a live concert with his uh, in a brass band, right? And he gave some LP to my father, and <laughs> the only thing I liked at that time was the blues, <laughs> and that's how I was often being exposed to jazz from India with Duke Ellington's music. Wow, unbelievable! And then, and then, <laughs> but in in six, so in sixty seven. What was? Let me ask you one one question about what was your favorite season of ragas, or or maybe that's not even the right question. What? Well, I me, like yeah. more serious ragas because they have much more depth, yeah. and especially the ragas which you can play the alap, you know, in a, in a much deeper uh, sense and the slow development of the rag. That that's what I like. Of course, I like. Light ragas too, but the first first part is always with the serious rag, and I like to play with different thals because my thal is and the rhythm is, is like a challenge to me, and it, it keeps you like you're on your toes, especially all like your art beats, the 11, 13, 15, oh, 14, yeah, yeah, 10 and a quarter. I've, I've invented a new new thal called 10 and a quarter, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Well, it's a very mathematical uh, uh, rhythm because we are dealing with quarters. We are not dealing with beat now anymore. Mm -hmm. Beat is there, but every beat has a four quarters. You know? mm -hmm. This is how uh, it's developed. So it's much easier to count like that. Do you feel that uh, when you came to the States, how, how much did you explore? You were smack dab in the middle of Berkeley, California. Were you out, um, like, did you, did you seek? Were you, were you out at the clubs? And did you take your Sorote everywhere? And now, first of all, it was a cultural shock for me because coming from India uh, is a totally different world. And then gradually... I started uh, listening to different music and my first guitar uh, concert which I went was a Bola Chete. Uh, that was a live concert in Berkeley. Wow. And that's the first time I saw uh, the how the classical guitar is played. And that, that blew my mind. 
uh, you know. <laughs> in what way? <laughs> well, the technique, the music, and speed, and because in India we used to hear only the slide guitars, you know, and that that's not anymore. After listening to Bola Setia, it completely my <laughs> my change, and then I I learned something that guitar is something else, you know. It's not just slide guitar. Which they use in India yes, so much. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but what what allowed you? What? How did you get your foothold in the states? I can totally respect the fact of you coming over here. I would have been the same way. There was culture shock. But what? What was? What helped center you? Or what are your memories of of getting centered here? Well, then I met some of my American friends. And actually, uh, the, the the more interest I got when I went to England uh, in '67, and before that I have met George Harrison in Calcutta, and then when I was living with my father in month of December, I went to England, and George Harrison came and he asked me, "Would you like to play in one of my movies soundtrack?" That was the. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, anyway, so I said, of course. Then he took me to his uh, studio, uh, Abbey Road. And those days, they had only eight tracks. Mm-hmm. Myself and uh, Mahapurush Mishra, he played. Then he asked me to uh, do something else on the second track. And that really blew my mind because, first of all, I... I had no idea that you can overdub and do all the kind of things. But anyway, I did it and uh, he liked it very much. And that's how we, I get much closer to him. And then in 68, I was again visiting in England and there was a film producer, they were trying to produce a uh, Indo-Pakistan movie and they wanted a song on a rock and roll based. So I had no idea about rock and roll, so I asked George's help. I did the melody, then he comes at 3 in the morning with all his <laughs> uh, musician friends, like Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr, uh, Willie uh, Will Pres- Will Presti, uh, Will, yeah. Wow. I, I think it's wow. Uh, Billy, Billy Preston, Billy Preston. Yeah, Billy Preston, <laughs> Billy Preston you're right on. And, yeah. And a few other musicians, uh, because I was not much aware of, rock and roll music and musicians. Right. I only knew George and Ringo at that time. So anyway, they recorded and it was, and then I have, I wanted George to sing the song and he said, no, you sing it. So <laughs> naturally I had to do a, like a uh, track so that somebody can overdub. And that blew my mind, that, uh, that sound, their music, their, his playing, Ringo's drum and Eric Clapton's you know, guitar. And that inspired me to to do something like that. When I came to, uh, came back to America, then there were some American musicians, they were looking for Indian musicians. So uh, our producer, Richard Bach, who produced many LPs, uh, World Pacific uh, LPs. So they came to him and then we met and then I played for them and they played for me and that's how we became very friendly and why we decided why not we 
have a group. Then we decided to call it Ashanti, and then we started rehearsing, then performing, then recording, and all that. And in fact, we became a talk of the country from east to west, all the disc jockeys used to talk. And we were the contemporary of Santana and Chicago, the original Chicago. So we three groups were very popular at those days, Shanti, Santana, and Chicago. But unfortunately, some people got scared that this guy is going to uh, surpass my name. So they started bribing my manager. And, and I was totally innocent. I didn't know all these games going behind me. And then naturally our group got dis dismantled. And that's it. But I'm trying to, again, recreate my Shanti. Uh, in fact, I'm performing with my students, 3rd of May in Kalars, we have a yearly world music festival and I'm going to recreate Ishanti again because uh, I, I love that group, that, you know, that music. And also I have another group in New Orleans that is a purely jazz group called Shringar, wow. where I'll be performing this uh, next week, uh, will we start performing from 21st till 30th uh, in New Orleans. There's a, uh, there's a jazz, jazz club, Flat Harbor, which is a very prestigious jazz club, and there will be some other clubs which will, will be playing the Shingar, and this will be Indian music with jazz. So I'm still trying, fighting to keep my desire going on and with all kind of obstacles which I have faced in my life. Yeah, no, the story that I got, I mean, I've chronicled Shanti and you're the third member of the band that I've talked to and, um, you know, basically Ravi Shankar uh, didn't give his blessing. You guys would have been, uh, it was George Harrison loved you guys. And, uh, yeah, I, actually he wanted to work with me because uh, our... Uh, ideas plus age and things were like the same age group, you know, and I was not like, you know, I was open-minded, where, where Ravi Shankar was saying that, oh my God, uh, I won't do this, I won't do that. But later on, he started following my footsteps, you know, mm -hmm. and he produced that, uh, that LP, I think, Om Shanti, then, then he did something, Tanamana and all that. So... But he really destroyed me, in a way. I mean, I wish my group was there and and I could have done so many things, you know. In fact, George Harrison wanted to produce Shanti, but Shankar told him, no, don't, don't produce these guys. So, and then finally our, our producer sold us for $15,000 to Atlantic Records. And that was our cost of our LP, which we paid to the studios. We didn't get any single penny. <laughs> you know something, though? I want to tell you this, Ashish. Yeah. Uh, that record has... Pr is pr I have maybe only uh, 50 records. I, I've, I've almost cut my collection down to nothing. That is a record I found in Phoenix about three years ago, and... 
I know you didn't make any money on it, but it really is one of the most special albums in my collection. I, I've, I listened to both of the, the Indian uh, tunes that you wrote on there. And um, it really is, it, I mean, uh, Neil was an early fan of my show and, uh, you know, Zakir, and I'm, I look at the group and I'm like, this is just extremely progressive. And, you know, I uh, talk about how the group formed, though. I mean, that to me is the is the astounding part. Um, where was, and Pranesh is, he is, is he your, is he your brother or cousin? No, he's my brother. He's, uh, he's your brother. So, 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 how did yeah, it? Yeah, how did it come together? Well, Zakir was the main uh, percussionist, and then I wanted to have a two different drums, Indian drums, playing, uh, you know, together, and that really gave it a different uh, color, you know. And so he, my brother, used to play the nal. Zakir used to play tola. Sometimes tabla, so but my brother he continued playing the nal, which is a folk drum from Maharashtra, and it's a very high pitch drum, and uh, so it blended very well with the group, you know. Well, and also the way that, but it was it's it's be it's it's beyond that because the way that you orchestrated the tune, um, actually I believe yeah. the title track. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's a Sarod solo, and then like pretty soon after that, Neil's playing an electric guitar solo. Then you clearly give breaks for both percussion instruments. Then there's a drum solo. I mean, to me, it was it was it was, it was accentuating all the world percussion. And then obvi obviously with the um, you know sort of psychedelic uh, of you know rock of that period was just to me it just was it has meant millions of light years of enlightenment for for me as a Scott, as a journalist so i thank you for for that and uh and and also the uh the brotherhood that that still exists you know and 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 uh and and the fact that you carry on those traditions with your with your students do you, do you feel um do you feel like you still have room to grow as as a like where do you want to grow in t in terms of your musicianship um, you know, and, and your and who you are as as a as sort of a, uh, a professor and, and sage at this point. Well, uh, our music has no and no end. It's infinite, and more you grow old, more you start going deeper and deeper into the music, and it's very spiritual, and especially the rhythm part. To me now, I feel like a space where you're flying without thinking and you're coming to the climax which we call the Tihais and uh, playing together with the drum and so that's that's my feeling now for the rhythm part and I have created few good students in America and they're already performing and you'll be happy to hear them someday and at the same time I'm writing more music for my new group, Shingar, and I think you'll like it uh, more because now I have matured and I have been in this country for so many years and listening to so many music. And recently I have recorded uh, with 
some Persian musicians in Dubai, and I'm going to release that recording. And because I've been once I was flying to Dubai, and it was a 16 hours flight, mm. so I was listening to the Middle Eastern music. I didn't go to sleep. 16 hours of listening. Uh, <laughs> music, yeah. You won't it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that inspired me and to learn their tonality because their microtones are very different from ours, even from the Western music. Uh, so I was trying to learn their music, uh, their rhythms, and uh, somehow I've been successful in a way that I could blend my uh, uh, music, my uh, melody with their instruments and with their microtones and with their percussion. So I've done some experiment and I've, uh, pretty soon, hopefully by next year, I'm going to release that and uh, I'll send it to you. I, you know, what, what was the um, uh, instrument uh, makeup of that band in Dubai? You were playing Sarod. What, what were the other instruments? Uh, what uh, one was Persian santur and uh, uh, their four instrument. I'm forgetting the name. And uh, uh, bazooko, bazuki, bazuko, whatever. Yeah. Bazooka. Uh, and uh, and drums, dombek, and kamanche. Uh, uh, I think kamanche. I forget things. Kamanche and. Uh, uh, there was another guy who was playing, uh, yeah, he was playing both Kamanche and the violin, violin in a Middle Eastern style. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so, and the other guy was playing the Santu, the Persian Santu. So it really created a very wonderful blend. And the melodies, I wrote the melodies, and they were was, was just improvising kind of a thing, you know. What do you, uh, you, you uh, perform with you, uh, your father at the Hollywood Bowl? Um, I believe it was your first appearance in the, yeah. s in the States. Um, tell, tell me about, yeah, tell me, tell me about uh, uh, anything that, you, was that, was that whole day a blur or, I mean, what was that, explain that, that experience. such a huge place it holds about 20,000 people and uh, it was a very thrilling experience for me and very exciting and when the 20,000 people start applauding that sound was mind-blowing mm. and uh, so it was a great experience for me and I find myself very fortunate to play with him in that concert and of course I did play a few more with him now and then, him and Nikhil Banerjee. That's the first time I came to America in 67, myself, Nikhil Banerjee, with my father, to help him and to teach at the American Society for Eastern Arts. How did you how did you run across uh, Charles Lloyd? Because the interesting thing is that these albums that I have, uh, Bhagavad Gita, uh, the, the the album you and Pranesh are both on it, and and I'm like, you know, 
when did when did their paths cross? Because he must have seen you guys perform. I just would love you to tell me how that came about because that album is just a, a wonderful. Yeah, trip. That, that's another story. Uh, I got a contract from Capitol Records in 1975 uh, to do a, uh, do an album. So I was doing it uh, with the studio musicians, all the top musicians like Edmund Richards, Charles Lloyd, then Hal Blaine, then uh, Jim Kelsner, and uh, uh, Woolman, who, who used to play with George at one, one time, and then a uh, few other names which I don't remember right now. And this was recording which I was supposed to release and I was waiting and waiting and that's the time I met Charles Floyd. And yeah, I especially brought Haripasar Chorus here. That was his first trip to America, especially to record in that album. And uh, this album never got released. That was another game of politics. Uh, they stopped me. My uh, God, this is waiting. unbelievable. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, this, this, this is... Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm really... I was waiting and waiting, and then one day I called Capital. They said, no, we canceled your release. I said, what? All that work, all that effort, and still I have the recording with me, and I'm still planning to release it some, someday. And Ashish, we, Ashish you should absolutely... You should be releasing that on vinyl. What an, what is that sound of that album? How would how would you classify that music? It was uh, also playing between jazz and Indian music, yeah. and that's why I call it Jazz Beyond. You know, that's the title of the. Was that the name of the album? Yeah. On, and do you have any? You you have a you have a, a copy of the of the of the music? Yeah, I have a recording. Completely uh, finished product, you know. Right, I was gonna say Emil Richards, all these wonderful, uh, yeah, all these yeah. different, all the, yeah, all the top musicians of Hollywood, they were playing, you know. Yeah, no, that 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 to me was a wild scene. But you then, so Charles invited you, and uh, you did that record with him. And then, what else were you doing aside from being ripped off by record companies? What else? were you doing uh, in the studios? I'm trying to follow your studio career. You know, the, the, the Harrison record is a very uh, psychedelic record. I mean, I, that was amazing. You had some very heavy heavy moments uh, early in your life. You had to grow up very quickly. Is that true? Is that fair to say? Uh, say it again. Uh, I mean, do you feel like you, there were just, you had some really heavy moments it happened in your life i mean do you feel like you had to grow up very quickly yeah because i was still struggling after when the council got dismantled and somehow i got this contract uh, from capital records and i finished the product and i was waiting for the release and then i hear being sabotaged by somebody who wanted to be released and uh, that was the end of one of my dreams. And then, then next thing was, I was going door to door to different record companies and nobody encouraged me. They all used to say, what, what kind of music we, could, we can call it? What kind of, you know, you know so they were totally, they were not ready for that music. Because right. I was 
before my time, you know. Maybe you, so. maybe you still are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that the 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 uh, can you put it in perspective in this day and age? Um, the 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 qualities that you or may or may not possess, but the the qualities that you, that your father had, insofar as rather than um, uh, which we see in you know people really just um, you know looking out for themselves and their families, where your dad took this holistic approach towards learning and uh, and towards sharing and uh, and and how that how that rubbed off on you if if it in any way. Well. That's what I'm trying to follow uh, my grandfather's footsteps and my father's and I have I have quite a few good students that are already performing in India. Here also some students they are performing and uh, I'm trying to keep that tradition going on at the same time. And also I am teaching my nephew Shiraz in India. I'm hoping he will carry on our tradition is uh, he also plays sarod, but he's a left-handed sarod like my grandfather. Wow! Yeah, and he also has a jazz band called India Blue, uh, which is quite popular in India, and with the, all the young musicians, and he's doing also very well. He's keeping his classical at the same time he's doing this music. And she's playing some of my compositions, some of my father's compositions. Yeah. Well, what is your? Why did George Harrison love your dad so much? Well, probably because my father didn't have that kind of a uh, very simple man, and. He never had the intention to exploit George Harrison or use him. So that's why he likes but the rest you know. <laughs> <laughs> I <was> gonna... <laughs> and do you play with do you do you and Pranesh still play together? Yeah, we do play. We do play sometimes. Well like well, like can can I can you tell me the next time that you play so I can come out and hang with you guys? <laughs> Well, he's been also taught by my grandfather because when he was a very small kid, maybe seven, six or seven, when we used to practice, he used to take a dholak and he will try to sit two-headed drum, a folk drum, and he will barely could reach them because he was so small, but he will try to imitate whatever we are playing on the uh, drums. Wow. So when my grandfather saw that, then he started teaching in tabla. And unfortunately, we had to leave for Calcutta because my mother said, you two brothers are learning music because we, have, we were four brothers, my, myself, my second brother, Dhanesh, who passed away. So we both uh, are musicians, but I'd like to have my two other kids, my younger brother, Dhanesh, and the Amaresh, with the youngest. He was also learning violin from my grandfather. So she decided that, no, we'll... Since we are moving to city, they should go to school because we, I don't want them to be musicians. So that's, that was the end of his training. Although my grandfather 
uh, his wish was to teach him all the odd instruments like Shushringa, uh, Nava, Makhavaj, Tabla and and to my youngest brother he was preparing him to be a violinist or anything uh, but but Pranish somehow I pushed him and he kept the Tabla and uh, he's a very good accompanist and uh, he gets Sometimes he gets opportunity to play with me and also with other artists and he teaches in the Bay Area when he lives there. Ashish, do you think that, that younger, I'm really fascinated, the, the students that you encounter, um, do you think it's harder in today's world to develop uh, your own individual sound? Uh, just because there is not as many venues to play at, there's um, so much of a saturation of media out there. I mean, I, I just go back and I listen to, you know, you're playing or... Uh, you know, it could be anybody, any any of the great jazz drummers, and everybody had their own individual sound, and and you could tell who it was by the way they played. And I I wonder if you think that students you see is it is it harder today to create your own individuality? Well, the sound of Sarot, which my father had introduced to the world, nobody can escape from that. And whoever plays the sarod tries to imitate a sound of sarod, and and naturally, uh, I'm trying to follow his uh, sound. And and since I have learned from from the same guru, my grandfather was my guru. My father also learned from him. But naturally, we have a lot of similarity in our music. And of course, I try to do something different of my own because it's a very creative art. And instead of just copying, I don't believe in copying somebody. After after some time, in the beginning, you may have to copy when you're a student. Right. After that, you have to be an individual person, and that's what I uh, believe. And I tell my students the same thing, and I also try the same thing. Did, was that something that you're that was ever told to you, or that you always felt that way? Because, or or did somebody did somebody preach that to you growing up, like your grandfather? Well, when we learned the music, especially the improvisation part, which is like your personal creation, and when we are learning it, we are taught how to improvise, and then he will correct if I'm making any mistakes. And I do the same thing with my students. I say, just improvise, just improvise, I'll correct you. So that's how our music is learned and played. Is there any place around your area where uh, the kind of music that that you you play, uh, you play live? Yeah, I, I play in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a music festival I've been playing for many years and then my next concert is in Kellogg's World Music Festival on 3rd of May in the evening. And then I'm leaving for the Bahamas uh, this Saturday where I'll be playing for this music festival for Shivanand <laughs> Yoga Ashram on the uh, 19th, yes, 19th I'm staying there. Then 20th I go to New Orleans to 
Yeah, you're you're carrying on the traditions of your dad quite well, man. You're doing you're doing you're doing good. Are you you just are you all is your calendar always busy or do you ever just hang locally? Are you do you uh, do you go to the really poor remote villages and and teach the pe- and talk to the people do any type of of uh, when you go back to India do you or or are you more in in the urban centers? Uh, I live in Calcutta, so I have some senior students, advanced students. They come for lessons, and then uh, this year probably I'll be doing some workshops. Uh, like in uh, Calcutta and in Bombay, uh, see two places, and then also in Switzerland while coming back. So these are my plans right now. Well, I must say it was it was it was it was a pleasure to to to, to talk to you, and uh, I really and and, and th- I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, and I'll get it out right away. Send me a copy if you can. Uh, I'll, I'll send you my mailing address. Of course. So I can I'll listen to it. I, I would be honored. And, and uh, would Pranesh be up for an interview as well? Yeah, you can do uh, Pranesh. He's in, he's in here right now. He'll be back next week. All right. I'll, I'll talk. I'll listen, you send, listen, it was really an honor to talk to you. Just send me your home address. I'll, I'll mail you a, a CD. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, have a great night. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Good night. Good night. night.